Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hello, everyone. This is the third episode of our podcast. Tonight, I'll narrate three long ones and eight short one true Craigslist horror stories. So don't forget to subscribe, and let's go. This is entirely too late to the party, but... While I was in grad school, we needed a third roommate. We posted looking for one on Craigslist, and lo and behold, we meet Craig. Craig seems like a nice enough guy. Friendly, conversational, maybe a little weird, but affable. Enough. So Craig moves in, and we discover that he is on disability, 
I try not to pry as long as his check's clear for rent and utilities. Turns out Craig has severe mental health issues. Now, these issues themselves aren't actually a problem, as his medication does a good job. What the medication doesn't do well is mix with alcohol, especially all the alcohol that Craig liked to drink. Within two months, he'd been kicked out of three of the bars in town, small college town, for falling asleep or creepy behavior towards women, plus just having very off-putting behavior at home also. We never formally put him on the lease, so we are talking about asking him to either cut that shit down or leave. Fast forward to January, record low temperatures, and the coldest night in about 30 years for the region. Craig decides he's going to go to the bar in the middle of a pseudo-blizzard. It was both the holiday break and about 20 degrees below zero, so all the bars were closed. He would make these decisions at 11 p.m. after I'd gone to bed. Three days later, we finally realized that Craig is missing. Kept a weird schedule, and I was just relieved to not have to deal with him. Didn't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. Well, Craig couldn't get into any of the bars in town. They were closed, and got disoriented in the snow on the way back. He was found the next morning with his eyes frozen open in someone's yard, eventually losing all of his fingers and toes to frostbite, but lucky to be alive. The summer after high school graduation... I'm drinking at my friend's house with our gay guy friend. Me and the girl begin to pass out after a night of drinking. Our gay friend starts taking pictures of us, basically sleeping on a couch together, and posts them to Craigslist looking for someone to come over for a foursome. Our gay friend eventually wakes us up around 3 a.m. in a panic, letting us know this guy took the bait and is about to crawl in the basement window. Me and my friend start freaking out and explain we are in no way down for any part of this situation. This guy turns out to be a registered massage therapist and actually pretty down-to-earth. We find out he just went through a really bad breakup and just wanted some company. He ended up watching the strangers while he did an analysis of our spines and massaged the trouble areas in our back. So my mom is into sewing machines, like older ones. Well, she finds one on Craigslist. She calls and wants me to go with her to pick it up. I'm 36 and live about 30 minutes away from her. It's my mom, and she says she has a weird feeling about it, so I agree. We go to the shopping center. She's supposed to meet the woman selling the machine. We sit for a little while, waiting on the seller. Texts between her and mom go back and forth, and finally a car pulls up next to us. I'm in the passenger seat of mom's car. This car that pulls up has a dude in the driver's seat. He gets out and is watching me the whole time. He opens the back door of his car, and I see the sewing machine box. Mom is freaking out a little. Where she is, she can't see the sewing machine. So I tell her to wait in the car. I get out and see a lady walking around the back of the car. She smiles and asks if I'm here about the sewing machine. I laugh and say, yeah, my mom is, and turn around to tell mom to get out and look at it. The guy asks if I got drug along to make sure it went right. I tell him yes. That is exactly why I am there. He tells me his mom drug him for the same reason. The ladies hit it off and talk about sewing machines for 20 minutes. The son and I watched hoping the entire time they would stop. Until I saw the lady, it was creepy, then it got worse. I never thought my Olympic dream would almost shatter over a casual encounter, but that's exactly what happened. The road to Rio was not a straightforward one for me, and it all started just a day before the Canadian Championships and Rio Selection Trials in Edmonton. My name is Sean Barber a Canadian pole vaulter with aspirations of Olympic glory. The pressure of the upcoming competition was immense, and I needed a way to blow off some steam and relieve the stress that had been building up. So I did something I'd never done before. 
I turned to Craigslist in search of a casual encounter with someone who was drug-free and disease-free. Little did I know, this decision would almost turn into a nightmare. I met a woman online, and we agreed to meet up at a hotel. She assured me she was clean, and I took her word for it. Little did I know what she was hiding. As our evening unfolded, she began snorting cocaine, even doing it in the bathroom without my knowledge. We shared a few kisses throughout the evening, and as far as I could tell, everything was ordinary. We had a sexual encounter lasting about 30 minutes, and then I went on to compete at the championships the next day, determined to secure my spot at the Rio Games. I gave it my all and set a championships record, securing my spot at the Olympics. I was on top of the world, until the shocking revelation that followed. After the event, I underwent drug testing, and to my disbelief, the results came back positive for cocaine. It felt like a punch to the gut, and I couldn't understand how this could have happened. I was standing at the edge of losing everything I had worked for my entire life. The subsequent days were a blur of uncertainty, anxiety, and a desperate fight to prove my innocence. I was cleared to compete in Rio just two days before the games were set to begin. A panel eventually concluded that it was more likely than not that I had ingested cocaine unknowingly from kissing the woman. I had no way of knowing and no reason to suspect that she had ingested cocaine before our encounter. My Olympic dream was given a second chance, and I was determined not to let it slip away. In the end, it was a lesson learned the hard way, that sometimes even a seemingly innocent encounter can come with unexpected consequences. I had just gotten out of high school and I was cleaning out my closet. I decided to post an ad on Craigslist. The title, Teen Girl Clothes for Sale. I received a few creepy messages, but nothing too scary. Plus, I needed the money, so I waited a few days for a serious buyer. That's when Annie emails me. Her message said something along the lines of, Hey, can you meet in the Walmart parking lot? I'd like to buy all of your clothes today. I was so eager to sell them, but I didn't want to go to a parking lot alone. So I asked my mom to come with me, and she agrees. I let Annie know that I can meet any time between 5 and 7. That's when she asked for my phone number, and I gave it to her. Back then, I gave my number to anyone who asked. Don't do that. So I'm texting this girl trying to arrange a time to meet what she tells me, that she has to wait for her mom to get home from work so she can drive her to Walmart. I'm immediately relieved because I'm thinking, okay, great. She's bringing her mom. I'm bringing mine. We're meeting in public. All is good. All was not good. We agreed to meet up at 6.30 at the far right side of the parking lot. I was excited to get rid of all these clothes and get some money, too. We head to the side of Walmart, park, and wait. I text her and let her know that we're there waiting, and the first red flag to leave should have been her reply. Are you alone? What kind of car are you driving? I tell her, and I also let her know I'm with my mom. No response. At this point, it's getting dark, and I'm looking around the parking lot to see if I can find her. That's when I spot him. A young man not much older than me in a white Nissan parked on the aisle before us with his window halfway down, staring directly at us. So I asked my mom, do you see that guy? Why is he staring? How much longer should we wait for Annie? She casually glances in his direction. Up until this point, we had both been on our phones not paying too much attention to anyone around us. I have since learned about the term situational awareness. Pay attention to your surroundings, people. I figured she would text me when she was almost there, but she hadn't, so I called her. No answer. Then the man in the aisle over rolls his window all the way down, still staring and starts to blow bubbles. Like actual bubbles. I can see him holding the container, 
gently blowing these bubbles in our direction. He pauses and smiles, but not a warm smile, a sinister one. My mom and I take one look at each other and I start the car. We begin to put the pieces together when we realize that this grown man in front of us is probably Annie. Not only does he have my phone number, but now he knows my car's license plate number. I'm trying not to freak out. He sees us pulling out of the parking spot, and he gets out of his car and stares us down while we haul ass out of there. I was praying he wouldn't follow us, and he didn't. I guess seeing me with my mom threw him off, he thought I would be alone, and I'm so grateful I wasn't. I blocked the number and never got another message from Annie. Needless to say, I didn't end up selling my clothes that day, and I haven't been on Craigslist since. I thought it was a prank at first, just a belated April fool's joke from one of my buddies. I never thought for a second that it could have spiraled into the horrifying mess I found myself in. The thick stone ceiling above me has made calling the cops impossible, but I think I have just enough signal to get this out to the internet, my note in a bottle if you will. There are no clocks here, but as far as I can tell, this all started a few hours ago. I sat hunched over my computer desk, squinting at the harsh blue light of my monitor. I was going through my nightly ritual of scanning through Craigslist for any good deals. I was moments away from powering the computer down and giving my tired brain a break when I saw it. The image was so surreal, it took me a moment to figure out what I was looking at. There, nestled between a vintage typewriter and a dusty old sofa, was a picture of me. The title was my full name, and the price was listed at $1,500. I mentally went through all of my friends and family trying to figure out who would do something like this, but came up empty-handed. I saw there were more pictures and went to scroll through them, but hesitated. I was afraid that I'd be met with fuzzy Polaroids of me taken from behind bushes and through windows. However, as I scrolled through the images, I realized I recognized each one. I'd taken them. They were all from my Facebook feed. A selfie I'd taken with some friends at a bar. A picture of me at the beach with my girlfriend. I felt my heart rate begin to quicken. My Facebook was set to private, and I never friended anyone I didn't know. How had these pictures gotten onto the internet? I clicked the listing and began anxiously reading the description. Product is a 26-year-old Caucasian male. It is 237 pounds and 5 eighths. It consumes approximately 2,200 calories per day. I raised an eyebrow at that last line. What would anyone want with that information? It went on to describe everything I'd eaten for the past two weeks in meticulous detail. Everything from the McGriddle I'd had on my way to work to the Snickers I'd munched on today after dinner. They even knew about my ad medication. I nervously glanced around my house, suddenly feeling naked and vulnerable. Where were they getting this information? How long had they been keeping tabs on me? Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, I saw a short message at the end of the post that made my skin crawl. Product is unathletic and should be easily collected by two, three people. Bringing weapons are suggested, but not needed. Collected. Any hope of this being a joke was beginning to evaporate? How many people had seen the listing by now? What kinds of people go searching for a listing like this at all? Then I had a thought that made me bring a hand to my mouth. Did this page have my address listed? It seemed terrifyingly possible. The listing had seemingly every other detail about me. Why not that? My eyes scanned the web page until I found a message that explained everything. Address for $1,500. Email me if interested. It made a sick sort of sense. They found a way to monetize their stalking. Why let such great talent go to waste, right? I wondered how many other people he'd done this to. How many home invasions and robberies and abductions he'd helped facilitate just for a few thousand bucks? 
I immediately flagged the post hoping to have it taken down. However, I quickly realized it would take hours, maybe even days for the moderators at Craigslist to get to it. I didn't have that time to spare. My fingers flew across the keyboard, searching Google for some way to get a hold of the people at Craigslist, but in the end, all I could find was a generic contact form. Getting desperate, I opened my email to try one last gambit. I plugged in the seller's address, a random string of numbers and letters, and typed out a desperate plea to take down the listing, offering five times the original price. Waiting for a response was torture. I passed the time by running around my house, locking all of the doors and windows. I also turned out all of the lights to make it look like no one was home. I knew realistically, the odds of some psycho seeing the post was slim. But the internet was a big place and I didn't want to take any chances. I was so on edge that by the time I heard the ding of the email notification, my heart practically jumped out of my chest. I regret to inform you that the information has already been purchased. I buried my head in my hands. I had been too late. How long ago had it been bought? Ten minutes ago. An hour. A day? My line of thought was broken when the crackle of wheels on gravel brought my attention to the window. I pulled the curtain aside and peered out into the night, careful to reveal as little of myself as possible. A black SUV was pulling into my driveway, its occupants hidden behind a dark window. I told myself everything was fine, that they were just doing a three-point turn and would be gone any minute. However, instead of driving away, the doors popped open in unison. Two figures emerged from the car, dressed head to toe in black. I wanted to turn and run, but fear had paralyzed me. I watched helplessly as the men marched up to the front door and knocked loudly. I realized then that their plan must have been to wait for me to answer the door and drag me into their car, but I knew better. I began calling 911, cursing myself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...are not doing it sooner. The door with heavy oak and would take them at least a minute or two to kick down. That's when I heard it. There was a strange beeping sound coming from the other side of the door. After racking my brain for a few moments, I figured out what it was. It was the beeping of my door's keypad. They couldn't possibly know the code, could they? Then it dawned on me. The creep who'd posted the listing knew everything about me. Of course, they knew the passcode. My blood ran cold, and I dashed away from the door, looking for a place. To hide. Click. The door unlocked. I ducked behind a corner into the kitchen just as it began to slowly creak open. The back door was at the other side of the kitchen, and I began creeping toward it, fateful I'd turned the lights out earlier. The two men cautiously stepped into the living room, talking in hushed voices about where I might be. I had almost made it to the back door when I bumped into the kitchen table. I cursed myself for not seeing it. Their whispers immediately stopped and they began marching toward me, forcing me to improvise a hiding place. I slipped into my kitchen's pantry and shut the door just as the light clicked on. The men, apparently no longer concerned with stealth, began stomping around the kitchen, looking for me. I squeezed my eyes shut and prayed they didn't look inside, knowing I'd be completely helpless if they did. I bit down on my knuckles, and time seemed to stretch out forever. But they eventually left, going deeper into the house to search for me. I let out a sigh of relief. 
buzz. My phone was ringing in my pocket. I took it out, and it was my girlfriend, Lexi. My eyes widened. Lexi. She'd be home any minute. What if the men decided to take her instead? I answered the call. Hey, you, she said. Lexi, don't come to the house. It's not safe. Oh, my God, where are you? She asked, fear creeping into her voice. I'm hiding in the pantry. I think I'm safe for now, but... The line went dead. I felt my heart sink. Had they gotten to her already? Had I not warned her in time? Then I heard something strange vibrating noise in the room over. One of the men's phone was ringing. He answered it and listened a moment. His voice was raspy and muffled. He's where? Another pause. Then footsteps, thundering straight toward me. My mind raced momentarily, and then it hit me. The one who had posted the listing hadn't been stalking me. They'd been living with me. Lexi was the one who'd posted it. And she just told them exactly where I was. I burst out of the pantry and made a break for the door, just as the two men rounded the corner behind me. I wanted to look back, but fought the urge. If I looked back, I'd get nervous, and if I got nervous, I'd stumble, and if I stumbled, they'd drag me into their car and do God knows what. I flung open the back door and ran into the cool, damp air. However, before I could make a break for it, one of them caught me by the hood, snapping my neck back. The fabric tightened around my throat like a snake, making it hard to breathe. I blindly threw an elbow behind me and it connected with his ribs. The man cried out in pain and I felt his grip loosened by just a fraction. A fraction was all I needed. I tucked in my chin, drew in my arms, and wriggled out of the hoodie, falling to the wet earth on hands and knees. I made a mad dash for the tree line. As I ran, I heard angry shouts from behind me. Just shoot! The damn thing is jammed. Oh, give me that. A loud pop rang out in the night and something whizzed past my ear. I wondered what that shot at me. The sound was too quiet to be a gun. A quick glance behind me revealed one of the men was holding what looked like a small, lightweight sniper rifle. It was green with a strange white chamber at the bottom. What the hell is that thing? The man shoved something inside, clicked it back, and took aim. Pop! Fear shot through me like a bolt of electricity. I jerked my body out of the way just in time for something to fly past me and bury itself in a nearby tree. It was a dart. They were shooting at me with a tranquilizer gun, like I was a wild animal. The tree line was about 40 feet away now. My lungs felt like they were full of bees, but I kept running anyway, knowing if I slowed even a fraction they'd catch me. I did my best to avoid the darts, diving out of the way whenever I heard one of those sickening pops, but eventually my luck ran out, just as I reached the tree line ready to disappear behind the dense foliage. I felt a red-hot sting in my back. Exhaustion began flooding my body, making my movements slow and sluggish. The world spun around me, and soon, I found myself on the forest floor. My memories of what happened next are jagged and frayed, the click of a trunk, the jangle of chains. When I finally came to my senses, I found myself on a damp concrete floor, bathed in darkness, shivering from the biting cold. The only noise breaking the eerie silence were the heavy thuds of footsteps over my head. They left me my phone, maybe to keep me from going crazy, maybe to taunt me. To ensure I can't ask for help, they've somehow blocked all posting or messaging features, at least almost all of them. No sleep is the only place that I can post. At first I thought they'd made a mistake. I thought maybe this subreddit had just slipped past them. But now I'm starting to realize it's because they think no one will believe me. But that can't be true. At least one of you has to believe me right?
to sum up the worst week of my life, don't fall for job scams posted on Craigslist. Edit. For those interested, I needed more money than I was making. And living in a shitty town where old folks go to die, opportunities did not abound. So I was stuck working in a restaurant with not much else on the horizon. <coughs> I even had a meeting with career opportunities people at my college, which amounted to a glorified Google sesh where they taught I mean how to use Snogajob, Calm, and Indeed for more minimum wage jobs that didn't cut it for me. So Craigslist was last resort for me. I sent out one or two emails and got a hit almost immediately, a dental office worker position that sounded great for me. I'd had some office work in the past, which was my previous worst life experience, but that was due more to the senility of the madwoman in charge of the office. I figured I was in the clear with this one. Hell, pay was even better than my previous office gig, so I responded back in the affirmative. I was speaking directly with the head dentist who planned to move from California to the shitty small town of prune juice and tombstones, and given his age and eccentricities, that all made sense in my mind. The guy was also Russian, so I brushed off some minor syntax issues in his emails by reading them with a slight Russian accent. Mother F, I still get mad thinking about this. I don't really understand some of what he messaged me. He told me I'd be working from home for a few weeks while he got his things in order for the move, so he'd be sending me some office materials, including HP Elite Book 8470 Pintel R Core i5, TA Portable All-in-One Printer, Scanner Fax Machine, a hard drive for external backup, AVG Internet Security 2015, Intuit and QuickBooks software. Legit enough so far. Then the confusing part, perhaps you may want to put some personal things in place before you start. I've decided to provide you with an upfront payment of $300 from your first week pay. Remaining will come in your first week check. I will include the total cost for the above materials, both shipping and installation by the technician, as well as your upfront payment of $300. I will have certified check under my name. Mail to you next week to cover the costs so you don't have to finance them from your personal earnings. This was my mental response, in this order. 1. Holy shit. That's a lot of money. 2. Wait. I'm the one paying the technician for installation and shipping these materials to me. Well, that kind of makes sense. I'm acting as his paw, after all. So this is the sort of thing I might wind up doing when I'm actually working for him. Fraud was already on the precipice of my thoughts, but I brushed that off and proceeded under the assumption I wasn't doing something incredibly stupid. I exchanged a few emails with him for clarification on the breakdown of the funds, and he got back to me in not much time explaining. In some detail, what my end of the work would entail. Cool! I didn't think a scammer would have done so much world-building and have such detailed answers to my questions that all seemed to make perfect sense, so onward and upward, it's worth noting that I'd asked my father and brother, both of whom were in the intelligence community, to do a little digging on this guy. They both came up with a real dentist by the same name in California whose dental office had closed down. All the pieces really seemed in place. Next, the part where I'm so stupid that I deserve everything that happened to me. He asked me to send moneygrams. For anyone unfamiliar, moneygrams are a great way to get cash to your pot dealer across the country via Walmarts, but... Whatever, this guy was in the process of moving, and maybe this is just how he settled outstanding financials, and he was proved to be at the very least a real person by my online snooping, so onward, I guess. I deposited the first check he sent me. I used some cash from the check for these moneygrams. I talked to him on the phone several times at this point, and he did have a faintly something accent. I go to sleep. 
I wake up, and my world is on fire. Bank account in the negative. Check came back forged. Penalty for depositing fake check. Money from MoneyGrams had already gone through. Check for the technician successfully deposited. $1,500 in the hole. I frantically call him, email him, text him. He assures me he is working to fix everything. He calls me and tells me to send more MoneyGrams. I tell him I'm not doing another goddamn thing until I receive the amount taken from me in cash. He is more difficult to understand now, but I can tell he is insisting I do my job. I hang the F up. He calls me at 4 a.m., requesting I do more MoneyGramming. I don't recall exactly what I growled on the phone, but it had something to do with my money. I'd worked really hard to have a $300 surplus in my bank account for the first time since college, and in just a few days, it was replaced with a bigger deficit than I'd ever had. I spent a day in my bathrobe on the couch wondering how I could be so stupid. Then, two days later, my brother died of a heart attack. So that's really what punctuates this story and makes it the worst week of my life. I don't have a good way of wrapping this all back around to some lesson learned or a triumphant change in my outlook on things because this was all at the start of this year when everyone I knew was posting about how 2015 may have sucked but 2016 is going to be the best year ever. How come none of those cunts died? Life is bullshit. Thanks for reading. Let me share a rather bizarre story, though it's not about me, but rather my boyfriend's peculiar adventure during his stint as a vegan. You see, he had decided to embrace a vegan lifestyle for a while, and during that time, he happened upon a Craigslist and promised a ridiculous amount of free tofu, around five pounds or something of that sort. Intrigued by this unexpected tofu bounty, he couldn't resist the temptation. After all, in the world of vegans, tofu was practically a treasure trove. So, with enthusiasm and a rumbling stomach, he set off on his quest for the tofu, not expecting the strange twist his adventure was about to take. The address on Craigslist led him to a rather nondescript house, and he hesitantly knocked on the door. The door creaked open, and to his surprise, he was greeted by a little girl, no older than 10 or 11. She had a huge, menacing dog by her side, growling ominously at my boyfriend. It wasn't the warm welcome he had anticipated. Summoning his courage, he managed to stammer out that he had come for the tofu, as advertised. The little girl gave him a curious look, and then she suddenly disappeared back into the house. My boyfriend was left standing there, puzzled, as he listened to muffled conversations from inside. After about five long minutes, the door finally opened once more, but this time it was an elderly lady who appeared before him. She looked at him quizzically and then, without saying a word, handed him a crinkled Walmart bag filled with tofu. It was an odd exchange, to say the least. Eager to sample the spoils of his tofu quest, my boyfriend hurried back home with his treasure. But as he excitedly opened the bag, he made a shocking discovery. Every single piece of tofu in that bag had long since passed its expiration date. It was all from the year 2012. A mixture of disbelief, disappointment, and laughter washed over him as he stared at the expired tofu. It was as if this was the universe's way of reminding him that sometimes things that seem too good to be true often are. Despite the tofu turning out to be a culinary time capsule, he couldn't help but chuckle at the absurdity of the entire experience. It was a lesson learned that day. Never expect too much from a Craigslist ad, especially when it comes to free tofu. Not really a horror story, but more of a double enough moment. I was looking for a dryer, and a guy had a relatively nice-looking one for $80 and lived in a nice neighborhood, so I figured, sure, why not? I showed up and examined the dryer. 
The drum part was clearly not mounted to the motor, and there was a bunch of bolts and a belt inside. The guys had said in great working condition. I told him it clearly wasn't in working condition, and he said, sure it is, the guy who took out said it just needs to be reassembled. You're going to have it professionally installed, aren't you? The guy who installs it can just reassemble it. The whole situation was just really weird, and I left as soon as possible. So, I was selling my drum set, full basic kit back from elementary school. We found a seller. Got 250 for it, but this is where shit almost got serious. I'm about 16 at the time, so I'm selling with my father with me, and we agree to have them come to our house. We set the kit up no issues, and then a white van comes by. What steps out is a 350-pound black man, easily could be a bouncer. A Bruce Lee Asian-looking man follows him, then a thin white male after him. They looked like they were ready to beat the shit out of us, but they were some of the nicest people I've met. My dad afterwards pulls a damn pistol out of his pants like it's no big deal and says, well, that was easy then, grabs a beer. 